All right, uh, if you guys want to come grab a seat, we'll get started. Um, I love our connection time in the middle of the service. I always feel like it could go longer. Um, but then I also know that as a church, we've been going long each week. And part of that's my fault because I'm kind of long-winded. So I'm trying to keep us on schedule to help our children workers out and get us out here on time. And get practicing because football season's coming, right? So we need to make sure that we're respectful of time. But uh, So we are uh, in a, an exciting season uh, uh, for the church. We're 10 months old. We're go- getting ready to kind of go into year uh, two. And this is a, a really exciting fall. Uh, people are still kind of coming back in town, but we uh, got some great things planned coming up. And we're in the middle, really, of a, a, a kind of a vision cast series for the church. And so we're talking about who we are, what we believe, where we're going, and we're calling this uh, series, Be Thou Our Vision. And our hope is that who we are as a church and this foundation that we're laying and the culture that we're developing comes straight from God, that he he is the vision behind everything that we're doing. And uh, as a church, we're the body of Christ, and we just want to be in tune with what, uh, what God is doing in this community. And so we've been kind of talking about that. So last week, we talked about we're a church that's redeeming the past. We want to redeem the past individually, corporately, uh, and, and we believe that your story isn't finished. And so whatever, uh, whoever you are, whatever you've done, um, we believe that there's redemption. And that uh, when, you, when you come in contact with this church, we want to be a church that believes that God can take this, the worst things about the past and transform them into something uh, beautiful for the future. And so we talked about last week how we want to be redeeming the past, and that means that everyone is invited. Uh, everyone is invited to this, to this place. And it also, uh, we talked about how nobody is perfect. Each one of us has flaws. Each one of us has a past that we're dealing with. Um, but anything can happen. So when we talk about we're redeeming the past, we believe everyone's invited, none of us are perfect, and anything can happen when we gather together. And today I want to I uh, continue kind of uh, this series, and I want to tell a story. And the story is, uh, some of you may have heard the story before, but it's by this, this old theologian named Charles Spurgeon. And Spurgeon was alive like 100 years ago, but he tells this story about this uh, medieval village in Europe. And he says that this village was the envy of all who lived outside of it. This was a place that was thriving, that was wealthy, that the people that lived in the village were wealthy and healthy. And everyone that was outside of it said, we wish that we could live life like these people. They had just a thriving economy that was based on agriculture. And it was just kind of like this, this place that everyone wanted to be a part of. At some point, there's this monsoon storm. I don't know if they call monsoons in Europe, but this, this giant storm that comes in and it floods their fields and it wipes out all of their crops and it floods the village and the town essentially gets destroyed. And as the, the flooding happens and the storms come, all of the crops die and the economy starts to kind of go into the tank. And so then their livestock uh, runs out of food and it starts to die and there's this kind of uh, this perpetual cycle of downward spiral um, that the town slips into despair. This town's been crushed by this natural disaster. And the place that was once this thriving, flourishing city becomes uh, a place of, of poverty and despair. There's this atheist that lives in the town, and the atheist uh, you know, is constantly antagonizing those 
who are religious or those who believe that everything that's great about the town comes from God. And so the atheist is using this moment to say, see, there is no God. How could a good God let something terrible happen to a great place like this? And the atheist becomes this antagonist. And the atheist uh, takes, uh, goes to the, the side of one of the largest building, buildings in town. And he writes this little motto on the town. And it says that God is nowhere. And the people of the town, as they're walking through the town and they see the poverty and devastation, they see this sign that God is nowhere, and it slips even further into despair. And they start thinking, maybe God has given up on us, and we've been left with the devastation of this place. Then there's this, this old monk that comes along, and this monk kind of travels from village to village, and he knows that this village used to be the village that was thriving, that people wanted to be a part of. And he gets to the village, and he's shocked to see the devastation from the storm. Not just the devastation, he's also shocked to see uh, just kind of the mindset and mood of the people in the town. And as he walks through the town, he, he finds that these people are living in despair. They're living in this broken village, and there's not a lot of hope. And he gets to this building that has this sign that says God is nowhere, and the monk decides he has to do something about it. So that night, while the whole village is sleeping, he pulls out his little monk paintbrush, and he goes to the sign, and he alters it in the middle of the night so that when the people woke up, there was this sign that now said, God is now here. And the monk goes about the village that morning, and he finds the people who are hungry, and he pulls out food that he had brought, and he feeds the people who are hungry. And he goes to the people who are sick in the town, and he pulls out medicine that he had brought with him, and he gives medicine to those who are sick. And he finds those who are naked, and he brings them clothes. And he finds those who are homeless, and he helps them get shelter. And he just starts serving and loving these people who are broken. And something starts to happen in this village. As they walk by this sign that says God is now here, and they see this individual who is now starting to bring healing and repair to the village they start to have hope. It starts to, to bubble inside of them, and it starts to, to fill and spread through the town. And all of a sudden, all of them are participating in the work that this monk had starting, taking care of each other. And this happens over a long period of time, and before you know it, this village that was destroyed by the storm gets rebuilt. It gets rebuilt in such a way that it, all, it becomes once again the envy of all those who live outside of it. It becomes flourishing in such a way that even the atheist said something happened here that strengthened and was evidence that God hasn't given up on the broken village. Spurgeon tells this story, and he says this is the story that we live in. This is the story of, of the gospel. This is the story of the church. We live in this world that's been broken, essentially. This world that's without hope, where people are sick and hungry and broken. And God has not given up on this world that we live in. But he has sent someone that has come in the form of Jesus, his son, declaring that God hasn't given up on this world, that God is now here, and he's going to repair and redeem the world. This message is for us as a church. We are this presence in the world 
that reminds the world that God hasn't given up on the broken world at all, but God is actually rescuing the world. And he's doing that through us. A church is a faithful presence of God in the world. Uh, when we think about the, the story of Jesus, in the Gospels, there's this, uh, the Gospel of John starts out with this idea of Jesus being the Word, and, he, and there's this poem that's written that talks about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to say that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The story of the Gospel is that Jesus came down and lived among us. He made his dwelling here with us. It was this representation that God hasn't given up on the world, but he's actually doing something about it, and that's happening through Jesus. One of the writers of the New Testament was this man named Paul, and he wrote this letter to this church in Ephesus. We call it Ephesians, and he talks about how Jesus is the instrument of reconciliation, that God is repairing this broken village through his son, Jesus. But then Ephesians says, if Jesus is God's instrument of reconciliation, uh, the church is now Jesus' instrument of reconciliation. And there's this idea that this group of people who come together, uh, united around this cause that is Jesus, are called the body of Christ. And in Ephesians, it says this. When Paul's talking about this body of people, it says, in him, in Jesus, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We're this dwelling where God lives. And together, when we, are, uh, when we have uh, Christ in our heart, he makes his dwelling inside of us. But then as we gather as a community, that same spirit that's in me is in you. And there's this dwelling that takes place that we call the church, which is the body of Christ. God's dwelling is here because of us, this community of people gathered and united around the cause of Christ. To be a part of a church is to be a part of something that's very sacred. So when we say, when we gather here on Sunday mornings, there's something sacred that happens as we worship, as we pray, as we open up the scripture. That sacred spirit that is here unites us. We become the body of Christ, the dwelling of God. Uh, this dwelling is a physical presence. Um, and when we talk about what kind of church uh, we want to be, we are called to be faithfully present. This place that says God is here to the community. So last week we talked about what kind of church is this? This is a church that's committed to redeeming the past and people. But this church is also committed to being faithfully present in the community. Uh, there's uh, the writer Paul talks about what that looks like, what the presence of God looks like in an individual and in a community. And there's this idea of, of fruits of the Spirit, evidence of God in our lives. And so these ideas of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control make themselves evident through the body of Christ the spirit that dwells inside of us. And I believe that we live in a culture and we live in a town, a very busy, harsh, large city of Phoenix that's starving for the fruit of God's presence. 
starving for kindness, starving for faithfulness, starving for self-control. And when we practice the presence of God, when his spirit is in our life, this is the evidence that we have as a community. So we want to be a place that is faithfully present here in the North Phoenix area. We want to be faithfully present to the needs of this community. We want to be faithfully present to the brokenness that's here. So how do we do that? Um, To be a faithful presence, uh, one of the things that we must be as a church is mindful. Is mindful. We must be mindful to the things of God. Uh, There's this uh, scripture in Psalms that talks about God's character, and it says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or humans that you take care of him? This idea of that God is mindful of us. We are his people and his children. Uh, The theologian uh, theologian A.W. Tozer talks about this idea of God being mindful of us, and it means that we're always on the forefront of God's mind he remembers us in everything that he does. We're this, this special, we have this special place in the creator's mind. Who are we that God is mindful of us, but he is mindful of us? If we want to be a church, if we want to be image bearers of God, I think that we need to be mindful of who God is in every single thing that we do. To be mindful as a community means that we have to ask these three questions as a new church. What is the best thing for the kingdom here in this community? This is the question that drives me um, as a pastor that I constantly come back to. What is the best thing, not for me, you know, not for uh, even just our church, but what is the best thing for the kingdom of God here in this community? Let's seek that out the answer to that. Over this last year, we talked about how it's almost been kind of a reconnaissance year as a new church as we've tried to figure out what's kind of the rhythm of this area. What are the things that are happening and where can we help out and join in? But when we're mindful of what God is doing, we're constantly asking this question. And everything that we do throughout the work week, uh, throughout home life, is what is the best thing for the kingdom here? What if we were mindful of that question in all of our decision-making throughout the week? What is God up to? What is the best thing for his kingdom right here, right now? The second question would be, what helps this person transform into the image of Christ? Of all of our relationships and of all of our encounters, if we were mindful of this question, what helps this person transform into the image of Christ? We talk about as a new church, we want to be committed to discipleship. Discipleship is becoming more like Jesus. We're a people that want to become more like Jesus. What if every single interaction we had, we were mindful of this question? Not what can this person do for me, or or, how has this person ticked me off or rubbed me the wrong way, or what does this person have to offer? What if we were mindful of the question of, how am I helping this person transform into the image of Jesus? And then the third question that I think that we have to be mindful of is this. What is God teaching me right here, right now? If that question was on the forefront of our mind, with every interaction that we have throughout the week, with every experience that we have, if that's on the forefront of our mind, if we're mindful of what is God teaching me through this, when we're mindful of the things of God, 
I believe that we um, are a faithful presence in the community. The second thing is, to be a faithful presence, we must be available as God's people. Available to what God is doing. We need to be in the yes position so when we are interacting with people throughout the day, we're open to what God wants to do. We're available to what God wants to do. And God's constantly using us and working through us. Much like the monk in Spurgeon's story, we're in a place where we're available to meet the needs of the community. And this isn't to say that we shouldn't have boundaries on our time, but are we in the yes position to say, God, whatever you're doing here, I'm available to be used by you for this great work. To be a faithful presence, we must be available in all that we do. To be a faithful presence, I believe that we must be generous. We must be a generous people. And I think this is something that's even countercultural, that we're living our life for something that's bigger than ourselves. This cause, that, uh, this calling that God has placed on our heart. Are we generous people? One of the ways that we practice generosity is through our tithes and offerings. When we, when we give, we empower the local church to be the body of Christ here in this community. But then there's other ways to be generous as well. Are we generous with our time? Are we generous with hospitality of opening up our homes for other people? Are we generous when someone in the church has a baby like every other week? And we're providing food for that family. We have to be generous in everything that we do. We've got some kind of big events coming up this fall. Some uh, events that we're partnering uh, with the community. Uh, we're, we've built this relationship with the Desert Ridge Neighborhood Association. And they have uh, a farmer's market that's the second Sunday of every month. Some of us saw that in the spring. Um, I want to be generous to that event as a church, which, which means we, we, we share our lives with the farmer's market, with the people, the neighbors that are coming through there. Um, so there's different ways that we can be generous as a church. But to be a faithful presence here, we have to be committed to generosity. We're living for something bigger than just ourselves. And finally, the fourth thing. It's this idea that to be a faithful presence, we must be visible. We must be visible. I think visibility is huge for a church. But I think it's also a tricky thing because when we talk about being visible as a church, we're trying to get the, the word out about who we are and uh, the fact that we're new. Um, and so uh, there's, there's this marketing aspect to the church where we're trying to grow, we're trying to say, listen, community, we're here, we're available to serve, and we're generous. Um, and it's always kind of a tricky thing because it's like, are we just promoting ourselves? No, we're not. Well, we, we are, but because we want to be generous and available uh, to the community. So there's different things that we want to do to become visible. Um, the way that we show up in certain places and let people know that God is up to something here, and there's a new church that's starting, um, and God is using this church uh, to reach the community. So there's different ways uh, that we are asking uh, you to be bold to make us visible, to get the word out about who we are and what we're doing and what God is doing through us. 
whether that's simply wearing a t-shirt around uh, or, or, or inviting a neighbor uh, into the community, whether it's on Sunday morning or throughout the week, uh, but different ways for us to be visible. When I think of the story that Spurgeon tells about the monk, he uses this uh, very visible form of graffiti that says God is now here, and it makes a statement, and people know there's something going on. But what are the ways that we can be visible as a church? Um, it's something that we have to be. And I think that when, when we think about being faithful, uh, a faithful presence that, uh, that is here in the community, it shapes our dream as who we are, we are becoming as a church. And I believe that uh, there's all sorts of forms of, of, of God's body, of his church in our culture. Um, there's some churches that are large. There are thousands of people. There's some churches that are small. They meet in homes. There's some churches that are community churches, that are neighborhood churches. And I believe it takes all kinds of different churches to reach a city for Jesus. But when we think about this idea of being a faithful presence, that we're going to be faithfully present in the community, one of the things that's kind of shaped our dreams as a church um, is, is simply this. Um, kind of as we, we gather here in the school, our next step is that uh, it, it, this is our dream and our desire. Um, and I might be completely uh, idealistic in how I approach this, but this is kind of the dream that we have. We want kind of our next phase uh, to get into this uh, retail space. And we'd really like for it to be in either the Desert Ridge Marketplace or the High Street area that used to be City North. And we'd like to find a space that's about 5,000 square feet that we can meet in. Probably similar to this building, a little bit bigger maybe. And what we'd like to do is have a shared space for the community. A place uh, that can be used on Sunday mornings for us, but for, throughout the week for the community. And some of the stuff that that we'd like to do um, is, is we would like to create a space as a church that could be used for a mobile office and co-working here in this community at Desert Ridge. There's uh, something like 600,000 small businesses in the state of Arizona, and office space is really expensive. So our thought is, as we gather here in the school and we think about moving into our next space, what if it was a space where the community can use it for cheap office space and they would be able to work, uh, work mobily out of the church's space throughout the week. That they could, they could use that and have access. So there would be co-working that happens and collaboration and community. What if we created a space um, that, would, that would be a gift to the community, a third space, like a gigantic Starbucks kind of thing? Um, that would be kind of my hope as a church, a place where people can connect. Um, and really, when we think about kind of some of the needs in this community, one of the things that we thought about is if there was this space that we met throughout the week, what if there was just a great childcare element to it so that working moms from the community could come, drop off their children, and there would be this great environment that they could work in. They could drop off their children and then, and then work. They could have meetings with other moms. They could have um, not playdates, I've learned, no, because that's with kids, but different meetings with moms. And what if the, what if the child care area was something like Ikea, where it was, just, it was just a great environment for children and it was safe? Um, we think that would be a huge need here. 
And what if this place served coffee and it was a cafe? We have uh, one thing that we found in, in, this, uh, in this small church, this young church, is there's a lot of baristas, a lot of people that have great knowledge of coffee, coffee connoisseurs. Some of you uh, who are new today missed our cold <coughs> brew um, because uh, it was a little bit soapy, so we went and got, <laughs> we went and got uh, Einstein's. But what if this was a place uh, where people could connect, uh, they could work out of, they could have coffee, they could have food. Um, and, uh, and then throughout the week, the church could use it for classes. Classes for education, uh, whether it was for educational classes for finances for the community. Uh, it would be a place where there could be design classes for the community. Um, different, different ways for people to connect educationally to learn. And the church could use it for discipleship classes throughout the week. And then finally, the church would use it for worship on Sunday. And we'd have a fantastic children's space because we've got like more children than adults right now. This is kind of the dream that we, we have for this next phase of the church, is to find this place that's a place for the community, that's faithfully present as a gift to the community that can be used for the community for the good of the community. Um, a lot of this comes in my mind out of this passage in Jeremiah chapter 29, when God's people are living in exile in this foreign land in Babylon, and they're trying to figure out what kind of people they're going to be as exiles. And God tells them as exiles to pray for the land that they're living in, for the peace and flourishing of the city. And God says, when you do that, uh, it will go well for you. And I think it's the same thing when we think about the Desert Ridge area, when we think about North Phoenix and Scottsdale. We want to be a place committed to the peace and flourishing um, of our city because we believe that God is using us uh, to bring about his plan for redemption and healing and salvation. And how cool would it be to have a place like this that was a gift to the community that put us in relationship with all of our neighbors and they knew uh, whenever there were needs that there was this church that was kind of the go-to in the community. And so that's my hope. I, I noticed that they all start with the letter C. It's because I'm a pastor and we make everything memorable, hopefully. Um, but as we, we think about this idea, we want to be a place that's redeeming the past, that everyone's invited, nobody's perfect, and anything can happen. And we want to be this place that's faithfully present in this community throughout the week, not just on Sunday morning, which is great and which we absolutely need, but a place that throughout the week people can connect and that is available to them uh, and is a gift to the community. Um, so when we kind of talk about who we are, this is kind of the desire um, for us as a church. And we are, uh, one of the questions I keep coming back to when I think about this is, is uh, as, as church is in decline throughout our country, and, and many churches are in debt, and many churches are trying to uh, figure out how do we continue to reach the culture when people are kind of saying, church is no longer for me. What kind of strategy do we need to have to still have a, a, a meaningful influence in culture to connect people to God? And when we think about the needs of this community, this is kind of the vision that we've had. So what does that mean? for us as a, as a church. Um, it means that we have a plan and a direction, and that's exciting. 
Um, but what we need is for, uh, for you to participate in this, to help us bring about kind of this plan. There's different ways that you can do that. Um, one of the ways is to simply pray. This mindfulness, being mindful of the things of God, to pray for what God is doing here, to pray for the people in this community, to pray for doors to open up, to be committed to pray, to prayer, to be mindful of what God is up to. Another thing that you could do is simply participate. Um, we, we've noticed that we, we, we always have about 50 adults and about 20 children on Sunday. So we run about 70 on a Sunday. But throughout a month, we'll have uh, uh, close to 150 people that will come through the doors of this, of this new church. Um, and so it's kind of like, if we could just get everyone here at the same time, that would be really cool. Um, but when you participate, when you're here, when your presence is here, um, it, something, something great happens. And every single person that's here adds to the environment. They add to the conversation. They add to the body. And so just being here means so much. Just to be here and to participate and to join in the building of this brand new thing um, is huge. So pray and participate. They, so, they start with the letter P. I don't have a third P word. <laughs> Um, but the, the generous community uh, to give, um, to encourage you to, to give in, in ways, whether it's something that's monetary, whether it's something that, monetary money, it, or, or whether it's resources, or whether it's your gifting, um, to give in a way that would empower us uh, to reach the community is another way that you can dive in. Um, and the third thing would be um, to really be intentional about relationships to connect with other people. Um, and, and this is some, easy for some people. It's hard for others. Um, I, I can be super socially awkward, and so if, if I've made you feel awkward at times, I'm sorry. That's just who I am. Uh, but to be intentional about connecting with others, we're really excited about what God is doing here uh, through this church. And uh, we think that the stronger we are relationally with each other, the more we know about what's going on in each other's lives, the more that we can help each other um, in this journey of faith. And so pray, participate, give, and connect are great ways to help out. Um, and so this is uh, today uh, not really um, a message uh, of self-reflection as much as kind of a, a, a vision of, of what our hope is and why this is our vision. Um, but I want to close just with this prayer. And, um, and then Matt will come up and close us in communion. Um, but my prayer is that you would be mindful, available, generous, invisible, and visible as we continue to pursue a faithful presence in this community that God brings hope declaring, uh, or that brings hope declaring that God is now here. We want to be a faithful presence that declares that God is now here. So as Matt comes up um, and closes our time, uh, we close every, every service with communion. And communion um, is symbolic of the story that we're a part of. Communion, the bread represents God's body that was broken open for us, and the juice represents the blood that was poured out for us. And it's symbolic, but it's also interesting that it's visible, uh, a visible symbol of the presence of God. And so as we take it today, let's be reminded of this faithful presence that he calls us to, to be here um, as a church.
So I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll close out with a, a song, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for uh, not giving up on, on this world, that in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of uh, uh, the despair and, uh, yeah, just uh, the mess that so often this life is, that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus into the world to say, I haven't given up on you. I'm redeeming your past. Lord, I just pray that we would be faithfully present, that we would be mindful, available, generous, and visible here. So Lord, I just pray that you would empower us today as your church as we take this communion and we're reminded of what you've done for us, that we would be willing to be broken open and poured out for this community to have life. So we ask your blessing on this time, on these sacred moments, and ask your blessing on this group of people. In your son's name we pray, amen.
as we close today and as you leave, uh, may you seek to be a faithful presence of God in your community, in your neighborhood, in your homes. May us continue to, uh, to meet and to gather and be a visible uh, presence of God uh, here in Desert Ridge. I hope that you are encouraged today. I hope you know that you are loved. Have a great week. I'd love for you to connect this week and the different things that are going on. Uh, but have a wonderful week. You are dismissed.